What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We built a pipeline of 878 trailers. I remember the number like mm, yesterday. Uh, yeah. And we were backlogged, 878 trailers. We had two Fortune 500 customers that wanted you know, 100 plus trailers. We are on the phone with this company every single day saying, you know, you guys have got to produce more trailers. You've got to produce more trailers. We stayed in bed with them for six months and we delivered six trailers. <laughs> <laughs> what? It was a mess. <laughs> what? Turn my mic up. For you. Take there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam. We are back with another amazing episode. And, you know, one of the great things about my job is I get to connect with some really, really dope entrepreneurs. I'm now in Houston, Texas with my man to the right of me, Mr. Mitch Marcel of Darta Management. Mitch, what's up, sir? Oh, all good. All, all good. good? Yes, sir. How, yes, how's sir. everything going, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, okay. just staying busy and, uh, you know, trying to get to the next level and, you know, as usual. Uh, which most businesses aspire to do, but everything's great here in H Town. That's right, that's right. So you are what I would call an OG in the game. Man. <laughs> you you you've been doing this for a minute. To put a little context that around that, you are in trailer leasing. Yes, right. Data management, a trailer leasing company. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys re- uh, lease all types of equipment, right? And I'm sure you have other things that you do, but we'll kind of get into that, and we want to get into your story. You started in business when? Well, started in business in uh, 1999. 99. Um, yeah, with a company. It was we called the company was Reliant Leasing Systems was the name of the business, and uh, you know prior to that, I, I worked for G Capital in the same industry. So um, you know, did that for about ten years. Got a lot of experience working with that business. Um, you know, on the operation side of the business and on the sales side. Um, you know, multi-unit management and uh, it was a lot of fun until, you know, it wasn't. And uh, and then, you know, I got to the point where I kind of started planning my exit strategy. And um, really, it was a unique situation. I, I approached my largest customer at the time, and, and they were really looking to diversify their business. One thing led to another. And, you know, a year, year and a half later, we put together a plan and, and started this company called Reliant Leasing Systems. And uh, we built that company to about 500 lease trailers. And uh, I ended up buying those guys out in 2007, which couldn't have been a worse time to buy out high net worth partners because the following year, you know, everything collapsed in 2008. Right. For sure. And so, uh, you know, at that point, um, you know, we actually, and that's when we moved to this facility in 2008 as well. And uh, just really, really struggled, um, you know, through the through that downturn, but, you know, kind of made it out and, uh, 
you know, I had some guys that we were, the company was pretty leveraged at the time. And so what we did was, uh, you know, managed to put together an agreement, you know, get me out of that situation. And uh, and then, you know, Darta management had been formed a couple of years before because Darta was actually the finance arm for um, Reliant Leasing. And uh, at the time, been back in 2013, uh, when the sale took place and I, I ended up selling to a competitor, um, a week or so before the sale, these guys said that they didn't want any equipment outside of the state of Texas. So I told them that, you know, instead of, you know, for, uh, folding the deal, we, um, I continued to manage. I took over that that equipment outside of Texas, managed it, um, you know, rented a small little office from them so that I could just kind of hang around a little bit. And my goal was to really just get out of trailer leasing uh, at the time. And uh, so I managed this small portfolio of trailers, and you know, one thing led to another, and and uh, you know, was able to buy some more trailers, and at the time realized that I really didn't want to go. <laughs> and uh, so um, brought someone else on to help me. And uh, that was, like I said, 2013. And uh, so, you know, data management, we really operating history goes back to, to 2013. And uh, uh, but I've been in the business since probably the, well, the early 90s uh, when I started with GE Capital. So my experience goes back to the early 90s, but in business for myself, um, 1999. 99. So, so that's about 23, 24 years. Experience about 30 years. So like yeah. I said, OG in the OG game. OG in man. the you, game, you, yes. You've seen a few yeah, things. Yeah, I have. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> originally from Houston? No, Port Arthur, which is. Port Arthur. Uh, yeah. Now, Port Arthur is a very small uh, it is. city, right? Yeah. And it's, it's an impoverished city as well, right? If, for the most part, yes. That's it, what I've heard about. I've never yeah, been there. It, 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 it really was a booming city. Um, you know, when I lived there back in the, or grew up there rather, and I left there uh, in the mid to late 80s. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, not necessarily impoverished, but there's a lot of oil and gas companies there. Okay. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, this, the, the, the equity in that town is not, you know, what we would all like to see as... as uh, it should um, be more than what it is, right? Much like more. Based on what's much going more. on there, the industry yeah. that's there. Much more. Okay. Yeah. And the, the, the demographics uh, has changed tremendously. Um, you know, it's more of a, it's an African-American city now than it's ever been before. Uh, the leadership of the city. Um, actually, this, the mayor of the town is is a fraternity brother of mine. He's doing a good job down there, but um, you know they're they're working towards some pretty good things down there, and hopefully they can get you know the city back on on top where it was back in the eighties. So it. it's going to be a lot of work. Some pro but, yeah. progress happening. Progress, yeah. But and so <clears throat> I grew up there. Um, and like I said, moved to Houston in the in the. Uh, um, the late eighties. So been here for a while as well. So how, I call how, Houston home. For how how was it growing up in Port Arthur? It was great. Okay. Um, you know, I was really active in sports, football, basketball. Um, you know, there was a lot of, um, a lot of athletes that came out of that area. Um, you know, it was a city that was really, really, really on the map and, you know, a city where you can kind of move around and do some things and not be, 
afraid to have your kids, you know, gone all day and, and uh, you know, not know where they are, been, them being in jeopardy of, you know, being kidnapped or something. It just wasn't that kind of environment. So, you know, and then during that time, um, you know, just made tons of friends on all on, on every side of the city and uh, just really loved growing up there. I still, you know, like going there. It's just not the same. Uh, most of my friends have moved away, but, you know, I still have a, a handful of guys that I hang out with down there, but um, definitely was a great place to grow up. Got it. How old were you when you moved out? Um, I was a senior in college, so I was about 22 years old uh, when I left um, Port Arthur. And uh, actually, as a freshman, I moved to Houston. Okay. And uh, my first semester was at Texas Southern. Okay. And, uh, you know, like a lot of, um, you know, folks that get away from home for the first time, it, uh, you know, <laughs> did all the wrong things. <laughs> of course. And, uh, you know, was back home after a semester. Uh, I, that was a, a whirlwind. But, you know, it was a, a very... Um, enlightening time because I, I did learn a lot and you know a lot of things that I shouldn't have done uh, that I did do but <laughs> right um, you learn what not yeah, to do learn what not to do exactly yeah so that was uh, so I, I left there uh, so moved back to Port Arthur um, and uh, uh, attended Lamar University and uh, was there for three three and a half years and then moved to Houston had a job offer here that I felt like I couldn't refuse and uh, moved here and you hadn't really looked back since what what'd you study in college marketing that was marketing. my major yeah you man, got a degree management. in marketing i actually left my senior year okay and uh again you know because of this job opportunity and the goal was to eventually finish uh here at u of h or texas southern and uh it just never happened i just i was just head down um looking forward to you know the i, I really enjoyed what i was doing at the time and uh you know, just really enjoyed working in the, in the in the business, and ultimately, you know, my goal was to you know do it for myself. And once those opportunities became available, um, just never never went back. So was that job job opportunity G Cap G Capital? Or no, it was else? it was something else. Okay, yeah, so what, what yeah, was yeah. it? Um, it was actually working with um, the. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the um, the company that actually owned the 7-Eleven stores at that time. But it was uh, an opportunity to manage multiple stores for them here in in, uh, in Houston. Okay. And uh, so um, came down, and that's what led me to GE Capital because I worked there for about three years, and uh, one of the one of the stores that I was managing, there was a manager that was out. I was there one day, and you know was just in the back doing the shift change, counting money, and then someone kicked in the back door. Oh, wow. uh, and two guys actually kicked in the door, you know, slammed me to the ground, put a gun to my neck. Oh, and I uh, think that was I may have worked there another day or two after that. <laughs> I can't blame but, you, man. Um, That's crazy. But, you know, and it was just a freak deal that got me over to G Capital because um, at the time the company was known as as uh, Transport International Pool. And G Capital had just bought the business and I was um, just looking for you know, another opportunity and answered an ad, um, ended up, you know, interviewing, got the job, knew nothing about transportation, um, you know, had management experience. And that was primarily the reason why I, uh, um, you know, was fortunate enough to get the work. And, 
you know, that's what sort of led me to, you know, this 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 long career in, in transportation or, you know, the supply side of transportation. I uh, I knew nothing. As a matter of fact, my first day on the job, they asked me to go out and gauge some tires on the trailer and I gauged the tires on the truck. <laughs> I thought it was all one deal. I didn't know. Right, right, and the guy right. comes out and like, hey, man, what are you doing? <laughs> so you guys told me to gauge the tires. That's what I'm doing. Right. So, uh, you know, from that to, you know, where we are today, um, you know, and a lot in between. But yeah, yeah for sure. So so you were managing multiple 7-Elevens, right? Mm-hmm. Was just, yeah. That happened yeah, to be one exactly. of your stores. Right. And then yes. that situation happened, which is crazy. <laughs> But Insane. thank God you made yes. it out of that. Oh, absolutely. But it propelled you into another situation. For sure. All right. So you start with, is, is it G Capital or GE Capital? GE Capital. GE yeah. Capital. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you start with them. Uh, like you said, no no real experience. Now, you said right. entrepreneurship earlier was kind of in the cards for you. Yes. So why why did you want to become an entrepreneur and what did you want to do? Like, what was your business plan? What was your goal? Well, I really had no plan. It okay. was sort of like one of those deals where I at one point... I wouldn't necessarily call myself a serial entrepreneur, but I had multiple businesses. I, you know, my brother, he was um, um, always in construction. And so, um, you know, I went into a little kind of quasi construction business with him. Um, this is while you're working. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, on yes. Well, yeah, side on up. the side. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> okay. And uh, and then, um, you know, I also had this company where we were sort of like a, a data driven company. We did surveys and, you know, that kind of thing for um, middle market type companies. And and, uh, you know, that sort of because it was just me, it sort of fizzled out. And I really didn't know what I was doing at the time, had more business that I could could handle. Um, and, uh, you know, just really wasn't ready to, to, to really manage that business. And then uh, ultimately sort of got back into the construction side of things, um, started another company, which still exists. Um, and we um, actually started out after the major hurricanes that they had here. OK. Um, and I got into um, just mold abatement. And so that was very lucrative while the insurance companies were paying good money to do that. And, you know, they, they don't anymore. Yeah. Uh, there's no money in and that business, so not that. much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, you know, once that all dissipated, um, I just really stayed in the business and just kind of started kind of buying and selling real estate and, and uh, you know, residential properties for the most part, multifamily type type properties and, and uh um, you know, still doing that to this day, but, um, you know, and that's kind of blossomed into a, you know, full-time, uh, endeavor as well. In addition to, you know, Dart is always going to be the baby, but, um, so, you know, the side hustle sort of turned into, to full-time, but, you know, and that evolved from, you know, its own identity of, you know, just kind of screwing around with stuff and, and, uh, ultimately, um, you know, finding something that I really, really like my wife, she loves the business as well. So, um, you know, it's something that, that we're going to continue on, you know, for eternity. Okay. So, but, uh, but yeah, managing both these companies, it's, it sometimes can be a challenge, but I can imagine always, uh, always fun. Got you. I, I would call you a serial entrepreneur, man. You sound, <laughs> you sound like you, like, you know, you got a couple flakes in there, man. Yeah, you, there's a few You, you got some things going yeah. on. All right. So, so cool. So we get to, to, to GE Capital. You said you're there for how long? Almost 10 years. 10 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and your role there is what? Just for yeah. Clarity? So I started out there in operations. 
Um, and what do just, they do? Just yeah. So GE Capital does exactly what we do, okay. minus trailer sales. Got it. Uh, or they did what we do, minus trailer sales. So it was primarily a leasing company when I was there. Ninety percent of our revenues came from trailer rentals, trailer leases. Uh, the other ten percent came from uh, trailer sales, which were sort of like offshoots from equipment that we no longer needed. Uh, there was an old chassis division as well that they um, they actually rolled into the, the branch that I was managing on the east side of Houston. And so we were selling off a lot of that old equipment. And, you know, that gave me an opportunity to kind of, you know, get some insight on the uh, sales side of the business. But our business, again, was strictly focused on on uh, on leases and, and rentals. So I started out on the operations side managing uh the equipment managing tires parts inventory those type things which was paramount i really my 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 goal was to be in sales but there was not an opening at the time and i needed a job so i took the operations job and you know in retrospect it's, that's the best thing that could have ever happened because it gave me a ground floor opportunity to um you know touch every phase of the business right and uh so I did that for about six months um, before a, uh, in a as a, in a manager trainee role, operations manager trainee role, and then the sales rep position came open, and I took that job, and uh, you know started doing some outside sales. You know back then it was a lot different. There was, um, I remember getting a fax machine back then and that was like really the big thing you know <laughs> right now i don't like you were balling if you had a fax machine balling. <laughs> <laughs> a real balling <laughs> right 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 and uh and you know we were still using like these computers that really didn't interface with the corporate office so we would every day you would compile all your work and you know put it in an envelope and mail it to the corporate office in pennsylvania and you know at the time i think this g capital probably had 30, 40 locations. So, I mean, can you imagine being a corporate office? Right. I'm sure it was just staffed, highly staffed with people just, you know, pushing paper. So, um, there was no real technology back then. So, um, you know, everything was manual, spreadsheet driven, um, and, you know, managing a territory, you know, managing customers, um, budgets, you know, all those things were just, it was, it was for the most part a manual process. Again, in retrospect, all coming up from, you know, or going through those experiences and, and coming from that environment, um, I think it's really helped me to, you know, really understand the core, the basics um, of, of this business and, you know, how things work and, and why. But um, so, you know, stayed in that sales role for maybe a couple years and then uh, an office came open in West Houston, which no longer exists, which no longer exists. Uh, well, that company doesn't exist anymore, but I took, it was a small branch, um, 200 trailer facility maybe. Okay. And uh, so I took that role, took over that role as the branch manager there, sales manager, and uh, ran that branch for a couple of years. And then the Eastside branch became open, which was one of the larger facilities in the country. And uh, took that branch, um, you know, did that for a couple of years and, and had become pretty good friends with the, um, it was kind of a, a, it was a gentleman that was being fast tracked through the organization and he and I had become pretty good friends and he became a regional manager and then ultimately the president of that company. And right before I left, um, he, they had started this national account management program and, uh, 
he they really wanted me to take that position. But I was in the process of putting together my exit strategy with this customer of mine. And, uh, you know, just kept like delaying the process. And then one day he came to me and he was like, you know, I've got guys from all over the country begging me to take this job and I can't even get you to call me back. Mm. And I was like, look, I, I, I mean, you and I are friends. This is what's going on. And, you know, I'll be leaving in a, in a you know, couple weeks. Right. So, um, you know, that, that tenure that I spent or time that I spent with that company was very, very helpful. Uh, and it laid the foundation for, you know, everything else to, that came after that. Got it. So, so you start to spin up Reliant, right? Yes. Reliant, Reliant leasing. leasing. Mm -hmm. So what gave you the courage to think you could do it on your own? The partners that I had were great individuals. They were great business guys. How many partners? Um, it was three partners. So it was four guys. They stretched me. They they just and by stretching me, I mean like you know initially I I had two kids at the time. Um, I didn't have a bunch of money. I didn't have any money really. Yeah. Um, you know, not saved up. And they were like, hey, this is what this this is going to look like. We're going to put up the money. We're going to get all the lines, but we need you to come up with X number of dollars. And I was like, where am I going to get that? <laughs> right. So, yeah, I managed to squeeze out everything that I had and put it in that company. And uh, so, you know, knowing that that was the the basis for, you know, my income at the time. Um, I really felt like I had no choice. Um, you know, I knew I had 10 years experience doing it from a sales, sales management and operations perspective, but there were a lot of things that I, I think at that point I didn't know how much I didn't know, mm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. And so, and that's back office type stuff, you know, f financing, uh, you know, all of the accounting, all the things that were handled by our corporate office at, at, at GE. And so I knew how to sell. I knew how to, um, you know, manage equipment. I knew all the basics to make it work. These guys, they really took a chance um, with me. And I, I'm sure that they were very pleased with the way I handled their account. They were the largest account that that the that are uh, in the city at the time. And uh so that really did help. But I, I just, you know, believed that I could do it. And those guys, they were experts uh, at running a business. They had three partners. One guy was their vice president of finance. One was the I'm, I'm sorry, he was their CFO. One was the president of the company that ran the business. And the other was their vice president of operations. So wherever I needed help, it was there. They came in, they put the lines of credit in place. Um, so really all I had to do was just get out there and, and run and, you know, bring, you know, top line sales to the business. And, uh, and that's what I did. And it was, uh, it was, a it was, a it was a very interesting run because we went from, you know, I, I remember the first day there, we had file cabinets with no, um, files in them. And, you know, within a couple of months, um, you know, we could fill up a half of a drawer, yeah, you know, with, yeah. with files. And, you know, and at that point you really feel like you're doing something. You look out on the yard and you see, you know, five, six trailers. Um, and, you know, you look in your, your file cabinet and you see that you've got, you know, 40 trailers on lease. It, it all starts to, you know, give you confidence. And so, um, 
you know, after that, we worked to, and when I say we, um, you know, again, they, I was the front line. They were the support system, and they were a hell of a support system, hell yeah. of a support system. Um, and so we were able to secure um, a, uh, a line with the manufacturer where we were able to buy equipment at wholesale prices, uh, and that was with Hyundai. And we did a lot with them over the last probably four years or so with Hyundai and with Lufkin Trailers, who's no longer in business. They were based out of Lufkin, Texas. We bought quite a, quite a bit of trailers from those guys as well. And so, again, we built our fleet up to, you know, four or 500 trailers. Um, and most of that was lease equipment and rental equipment. So we weren't really doing any trailer sales at that time. Again, maybe a, a little offshoot here or there, you know, one or two trailers. Um, but for the most part, we, uh, we were a, a true um, leasing company. So, um, you know, again, that run lasted for, um, you know, a little bit over uh, 10 years. And, uh, um, you know, and then from there, you know, rolled into uh, to Darda. To Darda. How, let's kind of stay there real quick. How, how'd you get your first customers? Let's talk about, you said that first three to six months, you guys just kind of went from empty file cabinets to like trailers out in the yard now. Mm -hmm. How was that transition? I'm sure maybe you probably used some, leveraged some of your old relationships. Tell me about that. How'd you start filling up those cabinets and getting things going so fast? Yeah, that's exactly what I did. So I went back to, and really kind of suffered, and I shouldn't say suffered. Uh, there were some consequences to that, but nothing that was major, you know, especially being in Texas, being a right to work state. I was, um, you know, summoned by GE that cease and desist and you know but we had a again the the guys that I was partnered with um, you know they were high net worth individuals they had a company that was doing very well so they got their attorneys involved and you know helped me work through those that are through that challenge uh, with GE and they were like hey you really don't have much to to, to be afraid of you know yeah. let's just keep doing what you're doing so I continued to go back and you know take market share uh, from from you know my my old company and and uh, you know a lot of one of the things I guess that for me is like when you know I talk to you know our sales manager here Dante he's um, just a very personable individual and I just tell him that you know there's no substitute for relationships but the and so that's why it's so important to understand the customer's business, because if you've got the relationship and you understand the business, then, you know, in all likelihood, you are, you know, primary within that, 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 that organization. Um, we are here live at OTR Solutions HQ. I'm here with my partner, Jonathan. Man, listen, factoring is an integral part of the transportation industry. Why is factoring important? Absolutely, Ramel. In this economy, in this market, cash flow is king. Cash flow is the key to growth. If you have a young trucking company or if you've been in the industry for years and you want to take that business to the next level, we're absolutely a company that can help. So I hope you'll give us a call today. Let us know what we can do to help you out. Get the rest and roll with the best. Let's go. And so, um, and you're certainly a respected vendor, if nothing else. But um, so I, I actually, um, yeah, I actually just started to, again, court a lot of those customers. 
And slowly but surely, they started coming on board with us. Yeah. And that was a great feeling. And then at that point, we started to do some national advertising. Um, and we started to get some customers from other parts of the country. And customers that were based in other parts of the country where decisions were made in those those other parts of the country for Houston, for their Houston offices. And so, um, you know, through a, a, a combination of you know marketing and outside sales you know there was no COVID, so you can you could cold call all day and you know i did a lot of that um and uh eventually got to the point where you know we were able to get a salesperson and then that person and it was actually a salesperson from g capital mm. that we hired <laughs> okay so <Excuse> me. <laughs> uh yes <laughs> So that person came on board and started to help and, you know, bring in drive revenue. And, and uh, so, you know, that was a great feeling as well. And uh, so, again, when we started to, to, to expand our product line, so we went from dry vans to dry vans and flatbeds to dry vans and, and uh, uh, a small fleet of intermodal chassis. We actually did a third party agreement with the company uh, out of Kansas City. They were a manufacturer and we were able to get them to park uh, intermodal chassis on our yard and we did a revenue split from that deal. We hand, we charged them for, um, you know, in and out fees and uh, and then we split, you know, the revenue. So, you know, we didn't have the debt on our books, but we were able to generate, you know, the sales and, and revenues from that. So that was a great, um, relationship as well that lasted for for quite a while. So, um, but yeah, ultimately, um, you know, the customers started to come from uh, you know customers that I had been working with for years. Got and, it. Uh, yeah, that felt great. Got it. So, quick question: I want to I want to uh, talk to the partnership real quick because this is I think is important uh, because you brought to the table sweat equity. Yes. Right. You didn't have money, and a lot mm -hmm. of people are a lot of people are currently in your position and will be in your position where they have a skill set, but they they don't have the money, right? And they have to partner Absolutely. with somebody the money, but they could bring the talent or the skill to the table. How do you formulate that type of agreement to where you still get a fair share? Because, you know, people with the money, they, mm -hmm. they feel like, hey, this is my money I'm investing. How did you formulate your partnership at that time? Because I think a lot of people, we don't talk about partnerships enough and how important it is to to structure those partnerships because they end at some point. They right? do. Absolutely. <laughs> so so what yes. did you do in the beginning? In hindsight, what would you what did you do and what would you have done differently? What we did was, and I'm not going to really take uh, responsibility for structuring the partnership. You know, they actually structured the partnership. And then I, the attorney that I used, who I used for the um, buying out the partners in 2007, um, you know, selling uh, Reliant Leasing in, in 2013 and structuring Darta Management. And it still works with him, still work with him rather. Um, you know, on, on all data related issues or business related issues. But uh, the partners actually did a very good job because at the time, 25% of that company was, I wasn't expecting that because I didn't have any money. And I did realize that my sweat equity was worth something. But to be a partner with the same equity as every, as the other three partners, that meant a lot to me as well. So, so it was um, a quarter, 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 quarter. Yes. Okay. And so once, you know, I reviewed it with my counsel and, and, and it was validated that it was a good deal. 
um, you know, I move forward with that. And ultimately, you know, once you realize what's going on and, and they did a great job bringing me in with all the banks, all the finance companies, insurance companies, so that I could gain those skills, that, those skills are, and, and that knowledge of all the back office things that are important to, you know, starting a company, making a company grow, um, you know, seeing how deals went down. That was one of the things to me that now, even in retrospect, I understand that the equity is very different. Um, I saw how they were able to get deals done on a handshake. They were able to get deals done you know, at a lunch meeting. And I'm saying seven figure deals for fi financing. And um, we just aren't able to do deals like that. And when I say we, I mean, you know, most minorities. Um, but again, they were high net worth individuals. So, you know, when I factor that in, they had the wherewithal to get these deals financed. But to sit there and see them get these deals financed with no transfer of documents. <laughs> Just that, a handshake. Yeah. Wow. That was very interesting to me. But again, I, you know, and those guys were just awesome. So, um, so that deal was basically put together by them. The second deal, when uh, on the buyout, that was actually orchestrated by myself and um, another gentleman that was doing some M and A work out of on, on the West Coast, uh, Stanford grad that I had worked with on some 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 uh, some other business issues, and. Um, and he and I sort of put together a very comprehensive plan to, you know, get those guys to buy them out um, and, you know, let them get the put the equity back into their own pockets and 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 then back into their business. Um, but in hindsight. Um, so, again, that's sort of how I the 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 original partnership was structured, but I approached them. Um, and I think that that's probably one of the, the bigger deals because through that relationship, I felt very comfortable, even though I knew that they were a customer of mine and that it could have backfired. They could have gone back and said, hey, GE Capital, you know, your rep is over here saying that, you know, he's going to jump ship. And, you know, that wouldn't have worked well, turned out well for me at all. But right. again, we had the trust factor. I've been working with these guys for quite a long time and I felt very comfortable discussing my exit strategy with them and discussing the opportunity to partner with them. Um, and again, after several meetings, um, you know, and putting together a, a solid business plan, uh, they were ready to move forward. So I say that the, you know, part of, of structuring the, 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 the agreement or the partnership agreement, um, structuring the plan that actually, you know, makes the partnership agreement go is just as important as well. So in retrospect, I don't think that I would have changed anything. You know, maybe would, I would have um, garnered more knowledge on, you know, structures, partnership structures. But I had, a, I, I mean, again, I, I just feel like I've been blessed. I had great counsel um, and he did a good job, a great job walking me through these contracts and everything else that I, I that I uh, needed to, to to deal with. So um, there so there wouldn't be a whole lot. You're good. Um, yeah. So there wouldn't be, uh, you know, a whole lot that I would really change about that. Too. Got you. What, when 
so at what point in the business was did you start thinking buyout or did they bring buyout to you? How did that whole thing kind of happen? And um, what, 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 was the, what was the size of the business at that time? So the buyout piece was more me than them. I, and I think that maybe it was mutual. Um, you know, they weren't looking to be in this thing forever. They, they were in a, you know, a trucking company, very successful tr trucking company, trucking and intermodal company. Um, and, you know, the more you do, when especially me being on the front line, you know, the more I want it. And by that, I mean, I meant that, I mean, rather that, you know, you get to the point where, uh, and I'm not discounting again, anything that they did, but, um, you know, they were some more of the support staff. I was doing all the work, the business had grown. And, uh, and so I just felt like it was time for me to, I guess, really thank them for everything that they had done right. and reward myself at the same time for the work that I had done. And so, um, I just really at that moment or at that time, you know, just felt like that's something that I wanted to do. I had no idea how I was going to get it done. I knew that I needed the financing and and ultimately, you know, I needed them to take a little, you know, uh, um, some off the table and, and uh, uh, you know, take a note to kind of help me with the with the buyout. So um, so I guess what we were were definitely or what I was focused on at that point was 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 securing more equity in the business and securing the business for myself for the most part. Um, and uh, so again, it took probably a year to get that plan in place. Okay. But that was my thought process at the time was to, um, you know, again, create a situation where everyone wins. Um, you know, at the time they had loaned this company, Reliant Leasing, a bunch of money. Um, and so again, um, you know, I felt like that was an opportunity where they could, you know, get their their money back and plan then some and uh, and then also, um, you know, again, reward myself. Got that. What 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 does that what does that look like? What's like what type when you're structuring a buyout, like what type of multiples are you looking at when you kind of structure that deal? Like you just kind of seek counsel, like just to give an idea somebody an idea what that would mm -hmm. look like if you want to propose that to someone. So in this case, um, you know, since it was more of an internal uh, buyout and, and I think the partners were less concerned with the multiple at the time, I think the business was generating about five, maybe six million bucks a year, something like that. Okay. Um, and the EBITDA was, I guess, probably, so, if I can remember correctly, um, you know, maybe somewhere around 500K, somewhere in that neighborhood. So, you know, maybe about 10%. Um, and the, so when we structured the, the, the buyout, rather, it was more of a, uh, the buyout was structured more around uh, satisfying all the debt um, across the board with all the lenders and the partners and uh, and then doing the valuation on the equipment. So because it was actually, um, you know, I guess I bought the entire you know kit and caboodle from those guys. It right. wasn't just an asset purchase purchase rather. So, um, you know, after looking looking at all the insurance, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, tax implications and everything else that we had to consider. Um, it was really a situation where the, the, the buyout was based on valuation, the value of the equipment more than anything else. Got it. So uh, EBITDA didn't really come into play. Profits didn't come into play. Um, you know, it was just a, a restructuring of, of, of debt 
uh, taking over the debt. And uh, so you said that um, you had mentioned earlier that Dart, uh, Darta was the financing arm of of Reliant. Yes. So how how does that come into play? Because you you spun up Darta while Reliant was going. Like, t- tell me about that. Yes. Yeah. So um, after the buyout in two thousand eight two thousand nine. When um, you know, the mark after the buyout, the, the market wasn't you know doing very well at all. So we were looking, or I was looking to really sort of diversify the the company a little bit, and get into um, you know equipment financing plus our business. Uh, the new Darta management you know needed financing, uh, and and again, Darta being the financing arm for Reliant Leasing. What we did was really source out financing for um, because once I bought out my partners, I started selling trailers as well. Got it. So, but you're still reliant. We're still reliant. Okay, got exactly. You. Yes, but you and you start Darta as a financing. Exactly. Okay, got yes. It. So at that point, Darta was really the source for um, you know financing, customer financing. We would basically the the, the premise of, of the company was to find financing, third party financing for customers that was looking to purchase equipment. Okay. And then also at that time too, Darta, I mean, I'm sorry, Reliant Leasing was really, really leveraged. Um, and our equipment base was like really old. Um, so most of our equipment that was like road trailers we were having to uh, reallocate those or recategorize those to um, sort of like cartage type trailers, local dray trailers, which meant we were making less money on that equipment, but we had no choice because, um, you know, the equipment had aged. And so we was just sort of like the perfect storm. You know, 2008, 2009, horrible years. We've got this equipment that's aging. I just bought out my high net worth partners. That was the lifeline of the business. Um, and, um, you know, the company's leveraged to the hilt because of all this debt that we just took on to buy out these partners. And uh, and then we had a one year lease with them that expired and I needed to find a facility. So, you know, we needed to get out <laughs> right, of you there. You got to get out. Yeah. So get now out. we go from paying, you know, this minuscule amount of rent to paying real rent. And uh, and so all those things were going on at the same time. And the I think we closed on a Friday night that Monday morning. um, I went back to the banks that we were doing business with, thinking that, you know, the entity was still the same and that nothing had changed. And, you know, we'd still be able to get these seven figure lines of credit back (laughs) reinstated. Right. And they all said to me, you're a totally different company and, you know, there's not a whole lot we can do, but your company is a new business. And that's how they they uh, they looked at us as not Are a, you serious? A, not as a going concern, but a new startup. Wow. So I managed to get so from, you know, having abundant lines of credit, we scraped together a I think it was a $250,000 line with uh, one, one of the finance companies. <laughs> and oh it's like, goodness. I think we presented one or two invoices and, you know, we're maxed out on that line. And you didn't expect that at all. I had, I mean, that was, you thought to the, me. The, the water was going to still keep on I running. I did. 
I did. I did. So, um, as they say, I was hitting the back of the head with a bag of nickels on that <laughs> one. I mean, I just wasn't expecting that at all. Wow. So that added to, you know, all the other challenges that, uh, that I was dealing with at the time. And so, um, yeah, so the, the, the company just really, so we were looking for, so uh, Data Management was not only looking for financing for customers, but we were also, was also looking for financing for the business right. as well. Anyone that could finance equipment for us. And most of the finance companies, the asset-based finance companies, they wanted to take equity and uh, you know first lien on the equipment well, the equipment already had a lien on it from the banks and the investors that financed the- Until they get paid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there was no meat left on that bone for them. <laughs> and, uh, and the equipment, you know, again, it was just deteriorating in value. The, the, there was just, you know, it was just a horrible situation. Right. So, um, so we pushed along and, uh, and so Darden Management, um, you know, did a, fair job finding financing for for third party, you know, customer acquisitions, but we just couldn't find enough used trailers to sell at that time. Um, and I say that the market just sucked. So, you know, anything that was available, we could probably we could buy it at a decent price, but we just didn't have the customer base. It was really more um, not having enough customers to, to sell to at that point because no one really needed equipment. So, um, you know, that was really the role that 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 Darda played, um, you know, at that time, uh, you know, in, in that transition. OK, so when you, you take everything over, what does your equipment types look like? What What is what you said? You had a bunch of old trailers. What kind of trailers are they? Dry vans. A bunch of dry vans. A bunch of dry. Yeah, we had really no <clears throat> at that point we had no because our chassis agreement had, had gone uh, away um, with the with the chassis manufacturer. Uh, we didn't really have any. We had a, a handful of flatbeds, uh, a couple drop decks, but you know, ninety percent of the fleet was drive-ins. Was, was drive yeah. Then we had some odd spec stuff, translucent roofs, roll doors, um, and you know, to make matters worse, so we moved to this facility, and at the time we had, I think, probably two and a half acres out in the back, and that two and a half acres was packed with trailers. We, we, I mean, we just couldn't find enough room to park trailers. Um, six, eight months go by. Um, our operations manager at that time was doing an inventory every single day. And then one day he looks at one of the trailers and he's like, man, this thing's got some bad tires on it. How could that have happened? And uh, he looks at the trailer next to it. That one's got bad tires. The tires were, 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 were um, basically they were flat right and then he goes around he starts looking at multiple trailers coming to find out someone was stealing the tires off of the trailers the good tires and putting old what? bad ball <laughs> tires on the trailers what? in addition to all the other stuff that we're dealing with Whoa! so we find out that it's an inside job a fabrication company in the back um, they had some hoods working there and those guys after hours, they were stealing our tires, putting old tires on the trailers and, you know, selling the new tires. So we get, went to the property management company. They helped us with this elaborate, we, we, they gave us some security equipment that just wasn't working. Those guys continued to steal tires, even though we've got a controlled access system here and, you know, it's, it's, it's lighted. Um, and, you know, we've never had any issues other than that. 
Right. Well, they stepped it up. They bought us a real elaborate, uh, rented us a real elaborate system. And one night I was leaving here and uh, I just saw flashlights going in the back and, and uh, came out the front gate. Um, you know, the police had already been notified by the system and they called me and uh, they, you know, asked me or verified what was going on. I told them that, yeah, somebody's out there. And the cavalry came, they came with helicopters, dogs. Um, it was a show. And so the, I met them at the front gate, let them in. And they came in with guns blazing. They caught three guys. The dog ate the one of the dude's arms arm oh. up, uh, and uh, and what? then they caught the other two guys. The, the the that was the the highlight of this whole theft thing. So <laughs> the guy's arm getting yeah the guy yeah that really was. <laughs> so hey, yeah hey, still yeah losing arm no doubt losing arm. Emma Robbie's code of, code of laws I for nine yes exactly. <laughs> So um, those guys, they end up getting tossed in jail. Um, we tried to file an insurance. We got hit for $25,000, in tires. Uh, tried to file an insurance claim. <laughs> and our deductible was, I think we had a $2,000 deductible per trailer. Right. The average for the trailers, average cost for the tires on the trailers that were stolen came in around 1800 bucks. <laughs> So we couldn't even file an insurance <laughs> claim. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so uh, wasn't able to get any money, and then these guys, when they went to jail, uh, they were prosecuted. One was uh, deported, and one dude had to pay restitution. And we ended up getting a check. They were telling, they told us we were going to get paid. I went down to the county, picked up the check. It was five hundred bucks. <laughs> Come so, um, so we and so I guess at that time our loss was you know twenty five thousand or twenty four thousand five hundred dollars. Wow, man! Wow. <laughs> so again, adding insult to injury with Talk everything else it. that was going on, you know, at that time. So that very, is crazy. Very, very crazy time. So, so now at that point, the business is just selling trailers, right? You, no, you, yeah. So you're we're not leasing. We're, yeah, well, I mean, we're not doing much of the leasing. Yeah, well, but, yeah. before everything kind of went crazy, yes. like the goal was to sell the trailers. Exactly. All right, so what happens next, man? <laughs> so, you know, we managed to survive. Um, and that was, I mean, that was strictly God-driven right there. Right. I, I To this day, I mean, we just, it wasn't fun uh, for probably about three years. Um and then, you know, things started to come back around a little bit. Um, you know, we're kind of getting outside of the, and by, I don't know if I was going to say outside the comfort zone, but, you know, just really looking at, at uh, other markets, trying to do whatever we could to get rid of these old trailers and, and also get our revenues to the point where we could, you know, possibly, um, you know, get an, uh, an extension on our, our extended line or uh, develop some or open some lines of credit. And nothing ever evolved for us. So, um, but I did get the company to the point where uh, we were able to position it for sale. Um, and, you know, and that actually got us out of all the debt uh, that we had and took a lot of pressure off of me as well. Um, didn't make any if, any money uh, on the sale, but, you know, sometimes, um, you know, breaking even is making right. money. That's right. And uh, so... Uh, and that was one that that was a very valuable lesson for me that, um, you know, 
There was no pride involved. I didn't care if it was on the six o'clock news. I just needed peace. Yeah, peace and of mind. Uh, so was able to get through that transaction, and uh, and that worked out very well. And then I, um, uh, before the transaction uh, closed, a uh, week prior to um, the transaction closing, the buyers stated that they didn't want any trailers outside of the state of Texas. And we had a lease. We had, I think there was 30 trailers in the lease portfolio up in Detroit. And so um, I told them, I was like, you know, instead of prolonging the deal, let's just pull these trailers out. I'll keep those and manage them myself. Mm. And uh, my intent was to rid myself of trailer leasing and never look back. And so, you know, that changed the course of history for me. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> it really so is. So because you had to hold on to those trailers, you end up having to get, make up a part of data management. Yes. And then you start the new company. Yes. Yes. Wow, that exactly. is crazy. Yeah. And so. That's God, I, boy. I, it is. It <laughs> really is. It's nothing else. Um, because at that point, so I had these 25, 30 trailers. I asked the company that bought us. Um, could I rent, uh, they had a little office over there. Um, I asked them, could I um, rent an office from them? There you go, you can move it up. You can okay. just move it up to your, to, oh. yeah, you good. All right. Just, yeah, quick, gotcha. Okay. There you All go. All right. Cool. All right, perfect. Um, so I asked them, could we, could I rent, um, an office from them just until I transitioned. And, and uh, I think they leased me the office for a hundred bucks a month. Okay. And uh, so I stayed there, you know, it was at that time, two, three hours a day to do what I needed to do, you know, with the fleet. And I really don't remember what I did with the rest of my time, at least <laughs> in the infancy stages, because I was just really trying to figure it out. And uh, so once I, um, did figure it out. It was like, okay, this is cool. We'll see if you know I can add a few more trailers. Well, and at that time, um, it's really weird how things go, how they go turn full circle. Um, GE Capital started to liquidate their company, Tip. So, and at the time, I guess they had changed the name to GE Capital Tip, and so they were selling off or spinning off that business. And one of the guys from that company asked me if we wanted to buy some equipment. And I was like, sure, I do. But I don't have any money. And so uh, <laughs> he was like, OK, well, this is what we have for sale. I'll send you the sales sheets and, you know, you let me know if there's anything you can take down. Right. So I went and I went to two of my high net worth buddies and um, got them to loan me some money. Um, and, you know, initially I approached them as like an equity deal. That's a funny story too. <laughs> but they were like, nah, we like you, Mitch, but we don't trust you. So, I mean, they didn't say it, but their actions said it. Right, you know, they were right, like, right. okay, we'll loan you this money, but we're not going to take equity in this company. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, cool. Whatever you want to do. Right. And so, um, and so the, at that point, um, you know, I got the money from them and, and then we started to, um, you know, build a fleet and, um, and ultimately, you know, we're able to buy enough trailers and sell enough trailers to raise, um, or to, um, um, you know, to grow our working capital. 
And then, you know, at that point, um, you know, I was able to pay the guys off once we sold off. We've done some lease portfolios that in order to generate cash, I just sold off the portfolios. And so, um, you know, because we needed the money. And so um, I ended up paying those guys off. And, and I just it's, it's it, to this day, I th don't think I'll ever forget the, the comment that was made by one of the guys. And he was like, hey, you know, by my calculations, um, you know, this company is worth X. And since, you know, it was my idea originally to do an equity agreement, I feel like I should be compensated as an equity partner. And I laughed and I put his check on the table. And I was like, you must be crazy. <laughs> you know, it's just amazing right. that someone would even say that. Right, right, right. So um, in any event, um, you know, so needless to say, I've never done any transactions with that individual since then. Yeah. But, uh, but again, another situation, I wouldn't call it a partnership, but, um, you know, it, it started out one way and it also it, it didn't end the way I really was hoping that it would. But it, it gave us the capital that we needed to, you know, take the business to the next level, to grow the business, to, um, you know, build working capital. All those little intangibles that, you know, ultimately led to where we are today. A lot of this stuff just wasn't on the on the grid. It wasn't planned. Yeah. Um, you know, we we planned for it, but we didn't plan for it to happen the way it actually did. For sure. Um, and I think that, you know, when we talked earlier about, you know, entrepreneurship and, and serial entrepreneurship or entrepreneurs, rather, it's uh, it's never a dull day. Uh, no two days are the same. Um, you know, it's 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 some days are very rewarding and some days are not so rewarding at all. That's right. But, um, you know, it's just for me, I think the excitement of knowing that, um, you know, you today's definitely not going to look like tomorrow and tomorrow's not going to look like, you know, today. So um, so, you know, all those 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 those, those things that happen, um, you know, that 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 help us to build the framework. Uh, of data management, you know, even, you know, those incidents, uh, you know, again, not planned and and uh, some of them not so comfortable, you know, help build the business to what it is today. For sure, man. You got to be crafty, man. Got to be crafty, <laughs> man. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So so uh, so based on the story, it's like you kind of almost stumbled into like data yes. management, right? So Start what was it the plan? The, the, like I stumbled into this industry. Right. The plan was to get out. I'm done with it. I've had enough. Done. But you still had these assets that you had to deal with. So now you're in the game. When you start realizing that, okay, I'm back in the game, mm -hmm. right? What's the strategy? What's the approach? What are you going to do differently this time? What did, what did you learn from a reliant? Like, tell, tell us about that. So the strategy at that point was just to build a company that was stable. And so we after this sale, we had a five-year non-compete. So we couldn't lease or rent any trailers uh, in, in this market. So again, uh, another stepping stone, another blessing that didn't appear to be a blessing at the time. Um, at that point, we were totally focused in addition to the the, the trailers that we had uh, up north we were able to sell trailers here buy and sell some trailers i you know from from some of those real estate uh, uh um 
proceeds that I was talking about earlier and from some of the other businesses that I was involved in. I just took all the cash that I had and I just sort of dumped it into this business. And um, so we were able to buy some equipment and then we could only sell. So, you know, it was a very transactional business at the time, Uh, but we were building up, you know, working capital and, uh, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars at a time. But, you know, we're just trying to, you know, get the volume up. And so, um, you know, we sort of, the, the, the goal at the time, it was just me. So my goal was to really sort of add some staff and, you know, some support people to really kind of help me out to grow the business. That part took a lot longer than I anticipated um, because, you know, we still had cost, even though it was just me. Um, you know, the cost of buying trailers, the cost of moving trailers, the cost of repairing trailers, um, the cost of marketing, you know, just the overall, you know, SG&A cost. All those things came into play. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we really weren't I wasn't able to build up the capital as quickly as I as I thought I could. But it, the capital was growing. And so we managed to bring on one person, then another person, and then we moved. We were on the other side in that one little office, and we moved to this side of the building, and uh, you know did a complete renovation. And then at that point, you know it kind of gave me, um, you know, the, the the vision to see that you know this really could be a real business, right. you know, because at that point or up to that point, it wasn't necessarily a hobby, but I just really couldn't see you know, growing it back to the days of Reliant Leasing. And so uh, we putzed along for uh, until 2018, you know, million dollars, maybe a million two. Uh, We had a lot of issues too. We had a a couple of real big fraud issues during that time that cost us a lot of money, Uh, bank fraud, um, and uh, we were able to get some of the money back on the bank fraud. Some of the other, this other fraud issue, we were not able to to get uh, the money back, and we lost pretty close to well, like you a know, customer. Yes, doing bank fraud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, credit card fraud. Credit so, card fraud. Yeah, Paying they for the trailers. With, yes, with, okay. And then fraudulent cards. Right, and then they you know get the trailers, and then all the credit cards come back as stolen. Oh wow! And uh, you know, and the, when that did happen, we lost about eighty, ninety thousand dollars. And it, it, you know, at the time, who's got eighty, ninety thousand dollars at any time? Right. Okay, how much money <laughs> you got? Who's got eighty thousand dollars to lose? Exactly. You know? right. But um, so that really was a major 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 setback for us but you know again we kind of kept our heads up and like i said we're putzing along at a million you know million two every single year just enough to kind of get by and then 2020 comes along and and you know 2019 we did okay uh but COVID comes and you know we were definitely a benefactor uh from COVID, unlike you know a lot of other business but we're definitely not the only business that you know benefited from that um you know, logistics, transportation, uh, the industry was a benefactor for COVID. And uh, so we started and then I and then at that point, our non-compete fell off. There you go. That expired. For five years. So now so. we can lease trailers. We can rent trailers. We can sell trailers. We can do whatever time to get we busy. want to do. Okay. It's time to get busy. <laughs> so, um, so again, you know, we still don't have a bunch of money and... I was like, man, we just can't continue like this because we weren't really, we were bankable, but we weren't, you know, a company that you could lend real money to. Um, 
And uh, and we didn't have a bunch of assets because we were selling trailers. Our business was transactional. So um, we started buying some trailers. We, you know, incorporated those trailers. We brought those trailers down from uh, up north. And uh, and then I did another loan to the company. I would actually paid myself back some of that money. But um, I actually was just like, OK, in order to grow this business, we're going to have to be all in. Right. So I did everything that I could do and dumped some more money in the business. And that's when we started to roll. And uh, we were able to buy a big group of used trailers that we were selling. And that, so that was significant in a couple of different ways. It was our first real big transaction where we could buy a large tranche of used trailers. And um, that's when the market just really started to head in the vertical direction. We, in this group of trailers that we purchased, every single trailer that we sold, sold for a different price because we were raising the price of trailers just about every day, supply and demand. And so uh, we did very well uh, on that group of trailers. And then that sort of gave us additional working capital. And then we were able to go out and buy another group. And then while we we were taking this working capital and buying, you know, two or three trailers here to put into the lease fleet, two or three trailers there and put in the lease fleet. And so we started to build the fleet and then we sort of diversified. Um, we went, we had a customer, a chemical customer, a large chemical customer um, who uh, uh, through a relationship, through relationships, uh, they called us up and they needed to lease a few containers. Uh, those few containers has now turned into 50 containers. So mm. we went out, we we're going to buy these containers. And then once we looked at the business model, it's like, well, this is not that great for us because now we're going to have to you know, figure out how we're going to store these trailers. We're going to have to get a forklift to lift the trailers. We're going to have to get a land doll to move the trailers. We're going to have to get a person to run the trucks back and forth. I didn't want to have anything to do with people or more people and uh, didn't want to have anything to do with anything that has a motor on it. That's why we don't deal with reefers to this day. We'll gotcha. sell them, but we won't lease them. Gotcha. Um, so we squashed that business model. And then I went out and found a, uh, a company that we could lease the equipment from. And then we sublet it to this company. Okay. And these guys, they've just been, God, they've been a great, great, great customer. Uh, this vendor has been a great vendor. Um, and everything just worked out very well for us on that deal. Um, and they've, you know, extended that contract to a long-term contract. It's been three years now and, and, uh, um, you know, they extended for another year. So we had that contract that was helping us with, you know, cash flow. Uh, and then we went out and we started to, um, you know, really get some market share on our lease equipment. And then we were able to establish a relationship with an OEM. The first one that we established a relationship was a company by the name of Atro Trailers. This was in early 2020, 2021. No, early 2020. Okay. These guys, uh, we thought it was a great deal. We started advertising these trailers all over the place. We built a pipeline of 878 trailers. I remember the number like mm, it was yesterday. Uh, yeah. And we were backlogged, 878 trailers. We had two Fortune 500 customers that wanted, you know, 100 plus trailers. We are on the phone with this company every single day saying, you know, you guys have got to produce more trailers. You've got to produce more trailers. We stayed in bed with them for six months and we delivered six trailers. 
<laughs> what? It was a mess. <laughs> what? Oh my so god! So we rolled out of that deal and immediately rolled into the agreement that we have now into the relationship with Fruhoff Trailers, who's just been an awesome, awesome, awesome partner. Okay. That uh, that was another stepping stone. So we weren't able to retain a lot of those customers because they ended up finding equipment elsewhere from that pipeline of you know seven seven eighty seven, but. We did start from scratch last year was our first full year with Fruhoff. In 2021, we sold uh, you know 150 trailers or so. Last year, we sold pretty close to 300 trailers. This year, we'll sell about pretty close to 400 trailers, um, Fruhoff trailers. In addition to all the used trailers, then we plan on buying about 150 used trailers. So um, you know that put us over 500 sold trailers this year. And uh, um, so, and then in addition to that, we're adding a hundred, hundred chassis, 40 foot uh, gooseneck, lightweight um, and standard and ultra lightweight chassis to our lease fleet. So, um, and then we'll probably sell about 80 to hundred uh, of those chassis, um, you know, a combination of those, those three uh, types of, of chassis. Now we just took a, a sizable order for some 2040, um extendable triaxle chassis uh, we just placed that order last week so you know being in in houston um you know we feel like that's going to be a great opportunity for us to grow our you know motor sure. business and to grow our, our local drape business as well so you know we went from you know just trying to figure it all out you know dumping money into the business and then really 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 being able to turn the corner so, um, you know, we went from, like I said, putzing around a million, million two to going to, um, you know, four million, I think in, in, uh, in, in 2021, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, 2020, 2021, four million last year, close to 15 million this year, we'll do uh, right at about 20 to 22 million in the next year. Um, you know, the goal by 2025 is to be up to that $50 million mark with, mm. you know, a, a $5 million EBITDA and, and, you know, and at that point we're on the radar for like, you know, real investors to dump real money into the business. And because that's sort of like their minimum threshold when they're looking at, you know, valuing companies, uh, and where they're going to, you know, spend their, spend their, put their cash. So, you know, our plan is really kind of right now more long-term in scope. And when I say long-term in scope, we're looking at, you know, a 36 month plan. And, uh, you know, at that point we'll kind of see what, uh, you know, what comes from there. But, um, you know, that's sort of the, you know, the data management story to, yeah. to this point. Yeah. So this year is, 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 is really going to be, you know, an exciting year. We've just been, um, you know, business sort of pulled back just a little bit in the fourth quarter. And so far in the first quarter, you know, freight rates are starting to stabilize a little bit. Yeah. And we're starting to see the effects of that uh, on our business. But it just kind of gave us, you know, and I, I don't I'm, I don't advocate, you know, pulling back business to pause and catch your breath by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but it, it, that's what it did. It gave us a chance to kind of sit back and, you know, catch our breath and really get put together, you know, a solid plan for this year, for next year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's okay. uh, kind of the plan thus far, the, I, to this I, point. I love it. I love it. All right. So a few, a few business questions, the business of trailer leasing and, and sales, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what is your process for, for buying trailers? One, where do you get them? Two, and how do you distinguish what's going to be for sale, what's going to be for lease? 
So our plan, so what we do is we source trailers. We, we actually figure out what we're going to do on the new trailer side, and we put that um, budget together and those numbers together for, for new trailers, and we send that over to Fruhoff yep. uh, on an annual basis. And, um, you know, their production last year wasn't able to really keep everybody needed trailers last year. So, um, you know, they had they were maxed out and they told us exactly how many we could get, which was probably a couple hundred fewer than what we requested. Um, so we source all of our new trailers from Fruhoff. We will do some new drive ins and new chassis. We will do some one off type purchases from other dealers every now and then if they have equipment that we need uh, that's outside of what Fruhoff can manufacture. Um, but, you know, 99.9% of our new trailers come from Fruhoff. From Fruhoff. Our used trailers, they normally come from brokers um, that we've been working with forever. And most of those are guys that I worked with that, you know, my G Capital days who are still in the business and they're sourcing trailers. Um, we also buy from other dealers, which we normally don't do that much of because, you know, they're priced a lot higher. We at one point bought from auctions, but we don't do that anymore because, you know, when things were at, when pricing was at an all time high and demand was, you know, at its peak, um, those trailers were going for more than market-based prices at the auctions. So we, 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 we cut that out of our sourcing strategy. So now we're buying primarily from, and, and we've always bought from trucking companies, from end users. Okay. Now we're buying more trailers from more people that are going out of business than we ever have before. So we're really pushing that side of the business, um, you know, the, the equipment purchase side, because we know that there's still a lot of these one to five truck guys that they just don't want to be in the business anymore. They can't afford to be in the business anymore. Um, and they're electing to sell their equipment and go into work for um, for trucking yeah. companies yeah. or, you know, just through attrition. They're just leaving the, 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 the industry. And so we've done this year, we've bought, God, well, I guess I should say since December, uh, we've probably bought 50 to 60 percent of our used trailers from guys that are that are getting out of the business. Wow. And that works very well for us, too, and for the customer, because we can you know, pay them immediately. You know, we go and inspect the equipment wherever it is. If it's not in Houston or the Houston area, we'll find a partner of some we have partners that we've dealt with all over the country through our relationships, uh, through the National Trailer Dealer Association. We use um, uh, this app that we've we've made great relationships through uh, um, Truck Down, where we use miscellaneous vendors. And, and, and normally we keep those relationships going, um, you know, because there's always going to be a need in those areas. So we get those guys to inspect equipment for us. And then at that point, uh, you know, they send us back pictures and and uh, uh, specs on the equipment and assessment. And then, you know, we negotiate the price. And, and at that point, we um, our logistics guys, they actually move the equipment down uh, from uh, from wherever they are down into Houston. So, um, you know, that's, you know, kind of where we source the trailers and. Uh, um, I'm trying to remember the second part of your question. Uh, I think that I think yeah. you answered everything. Okay. How, how do you evaluate the trailer? So I know you said somebody's doing the inspections, they're doing the sourcing. So I guess there's like a that inspector will give you the value of the trailer based on age and wear well, and tear and so forth. Well, we have a system internally that we use for the valuation, but 
when but what before we make an offer, all that comes into play. You know, we look at the photographs, we look at the condition of the equipment and uh, and then we make a, an offer. And uh, and at that point, we know what our ceiling is. We know what our floor is. And, you know, we try to buy somewhere in the in the middle. But our strategy for acquisition, equipment acquisition, we are actually looking at, um, you know, this year, the bulk of the trailers that we're going to buy are still going to be drive ins. But now that we've added this intermodal chassis line, we are um, looking at uh, why well, I actually just did a like a five city port tour uh, over the last couple of weeks. And uh, we're really going to be expanding our business into, you know, some of the, the Gulf port areas, mm-hmm. um, New Orleans, uh, Mobile, Alabama, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, and then up, uh, up the Atlantic into Savannah, Georgia and um, and Charleston, South Carolina. So, you know, those are especially that, you know, Charleston and, and Savannah area, those areas rather, those are very, very vibrant, you know, markets in addition to Houston. Uh, there's just so much business here that, um, you know, we're going to be very strategic about how we enter into those those other markets. We're going to do it. You know, it's not going to really be, um, you know, with personnel, it's just going to really be asset base um, and, you know, we'll have equipment there. Uh, through third party agreements. But, um, you know, those are the areas where we see major growth for our business. So right now, the strategy is really to, um, you know, bring and build our lease business, our rental business, primarily our long term lease business, because the majority of these these chassis and uh, the new drive ins that we bring on board, they're going to be going on 36 to 60 month leases, which helps us to build um, you know, the, the equity in our business. And, um, you know, again, in that, that five-year plan, um, you know, we're actually matching up the financing with the lease term. So by the time we get that equipment back, it's paid off. Mm-hmm. And from that point forward, it's just all cash flow. And uh, all of our neat leases, rather, are net maintenance leases. So, you know, we want to build a, a, a lease fleet, um, get it up to pretty close to about 1,000 trailers, and then just continue to sell, you know, five to 800 trailers a year. And that gives us a very, very, very solid business. Got it. Are, are the lease trailers all brand new? Are they newer trailers or what's like the, the range on age for them? Yeah, so all of the chassis are brand new. And okay. I say all of them. We were able, a customer of ours sold us uh, a pretty sizable group of chassis that are lightweight chassis, 2018, 2019 models. So, you know, two, three years old. Uh, the dry vans, we're not putting any new dry vans into our, our rental fleet. We're, we're actually going to be focusing on uh, our local dre business and in those respective port cities we feel that we can marry up the intermodal business to the local dre business and sort of compl- one complements the other so those are going to be trailers that range from it's like 10 year old trailers uh, for the most part because here here in the houston market we don't get much more for a brand new trailer than we get for a 10 year old trailer gotcha. so it's like you know why don't why would we why do we need to spend um, you know, sixty thousand dollars to make a few pennies more than we would make on a trailer where we spend, you know, twenty thousand dollars. Right. So, um, you know, that's the growth strategy um, for for the lease fleet. And then on the used trailers, we're just, you know, whatever we can sell, um, you know, as far as the year range. Um, you know, we don't really want to buy anything older than, you know, two thousand four. Or so because most of our a lot of our customers are um, you know local in scope or regional in scope, 
and a new trailer does them no more good again than the 10 year old trailer. So, um, you know, we just feel like that's the best bet for our buck right now. Got it. What are your typical margins on a, on a used trailer sale? Uh, on a sale, um, we normally try to get anywhere from eight to 10% okay. uh, on the spread on Got that it. equipment. You know, the, 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 the travesty in our business is that the government makes more money than we do on a trailer. <laughs> you know, they get an automatic at 12% right off the top. Mm. Um, and, you know, and we pay, you know, and like most dealers, I guess, that sell new trailers, the FET numbers are just insane. But, you know, to, to cut those checks to the, to the IRS every quarter, and you're seeing that, man, those checks are, are bigger than what we're cutting for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're, we're anywhere between eight and 10%. Got it. Who, who is your ideal customer? Um, so for us, our, 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 our range, or at least as, as, as what we publish, is customers that are um, one to you know, $100 million in sales. So what that actually transitions into for us is customers that are, um, you know, anywhere from one to, you know, 50, 60 trucks. And the so when I answer that question, that's sort of, you know, what we really look for. The ideal customer is sort of like the, you know, 18 to 25 truck guy uh, that's more regional in scope, um, you know, two to three million dollars a year in revenue. And uh you know, then running, you know, a, a, a solid fleet of, you know, dry vans um, and, and, and intermodal chassis. So that's the ideal customer. Um, because, And I say ideal primarily because we have everything that we need to to one to a service that customer. And then second, those customers historically are a lot more seasoned. Um, you know, and how they run their business. And they really know, you can you can really ask those questions that make us feel like we're really a partner with those companies. And right. when I say those questions, I mean, you know, like why are you guys renting this equipment or leasing this equipment? You know, what are you actually using it for? And then we can come in there and, and you know, with somewhat of a consultative approach and say, you know, Hey, you know, what do you, how's the depreciation going to affect your business if you lease versus buy? Um, you know, what are your, what's your, your, your maintenance budget going to look like, you know, in a lease versus buy situation? You know, how's your capital comfort, comfort, uh, capital conservation going to look like, you know, if you're going to lease this equipment or buy? So an analysis of all those tangible things make more sense to companies in that, fleet range, range yeah. or revenue range than they do for a guy that's running, you know, one or two trucks. And and that's been a great business for us. Um, we're just trying to figure out how we can be more of a benefit from a business perspective with the one or two truck guy. They, they need a trailer, but, you know, they need a trailer because, you know, they've got to go and haul some freight. And, you know, this is their business. This is basically their lifeline. This is how they pay their bills for their business and their personal lives. Not like, you know, our businesses don't do that, but without that truck or two trucks, they're just not gonna be able to, you know, achieve those objectives in their lives. Right. And so the, all the, those guys are like humping all day long. They're not like analyzing their books. Um, 
and I, I'm not all of them. I'm not trying to categorize yeah, yeah, them all in sure. a group. I get it. I'm just saying that, you know, it's a different animal, not unlike a company that's doing, you know, 50 million in revenues versus a company that's doing 500 million in revenues. It's a different ball game. Right. So, uh, but we are working diligently, even though that's been our, 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 um, our bread and butter. We have got to figure out how to become more in tuned, more of a value partner with the one to five truck guys as we are with the, you know, 18 to 25 truck guys. Got it. How, how does your lease structures like, you know, stand out from your competition? What do you guys do differently than some of the other competitors out there? That's a good question, because <laughs> for the most part, you know, in this industry, um, you know, everyone has standard maintenance lease programs and net maintenance lease programs, yeah. you know, um, uh, full maintenance lease programs. But for us, we've our difference, uh, the, the, how we differentiate ourselves is, is, is our customer base. We deal with a lot of customers that traditionally can't go out and get lease equipment from other companies, from the, the, the top two or three leasing companies. But over the years, we've sort of figured out how to do that and mitigate our losses. When we first started this, we were getting our butts kicked. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it really sort of tarnished my idea of what doing business with small businesses look like. But I was pointing the finger at them and not at myself because you know, I was blaming the customers for things that we allowed them to do. We allowed them to pay us in 60 days and then, you know, they don't have any money to, you know, when it rolls to 90 to, right. you know, get caught up because, you know, they're growing, they're trying to, you know, manage their business as well. And they, you know, now they just can't come up with three months of payments. And, you know, the trailer leasing guys are always going to be, you know, unfortunately the last guy if if the guy is <laughs> is on his last couple bucks sure. you know he's got insurance he's got to pay he's got to pay his truck note because without truck note without a truck there is no trailer that's right and uh without any insurance there is no customer and so you know he's got a fuel bill to pay uh all those things so you know the trailer guys at the end of the 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 the, the uh the line but because of, again, one of those things that we sort of fell into because we were getting our butts kicked, we figured out how to, you know, mitigate those losses and how to better manage those customers. Um, so those things have really um, so now we're able to, you know, to to really differentiate ourselves from our competitors. Um, and we we don't try to be everything to everybody. We know what our niche is and we don't really we that's not true we deviate from that but those customers that out that's outside of that you know that the, these large companies we've done that before and what it turned out to be was the tail wagging the dog you know they tell you how many trailers they're going to take at what rate when they're going to pick them up if you don't pick them up by if you don't have them off lease by this date they stop paying you and you know, saying that you do business with a Fortune 500 company sounds good, but if it's not putting money to the bottom line, it's like, why do it? Right. So, um, so we've differentiated ourselves and we've been very, very proud of the fact that, um, you know, the majority of at least 50 to 60% of our, 50 to 55% of our customers uh, are minority owned companies. 
Um, you know, and 32, 33% of our companies are these, you know, one, two, five truck guys. Um, but you know, the lion's share are, you know, guys in that 18 to, to, to 25 truck, uh, range. But, but that's again, where we feel like we we're the differentiator. Do you compete on price or value? Value. Yeah, not really price at all. Uh, I think our prices are, I shouldn't say I think, our prices are very competitive um, on the sales side and on the, the lease and rental side. But, you know, we're, we're a small fish in a big pond. Um, and, you know, a lot of these, there's not that many regional trailer leasing companies anymore. Most of them are national in scope through whether they were regional and they were rolled up in, into larger companies. Um, but true organic regional leasing companies, there's just not that many of them out there anymore. So value has to be our proposition. Yeah, yeah. Now for sure, you, you definitely have to uh, have to compete on value, yes. man, for sure. When you talk about the other big guys out there in the world. Yes. All right, cool. Um, what else do I want to ask you? Um, oh, so now what does the, uh, what does the, 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 the fleet look like just to get, just so people could understand the scope. I know you said mm -hmm. you have chassis, you have drives, you have no reefers. T tell me what everything looks like. Right. Yeah. So, uh, right now the fleet is comprised of, um, 53 foot dry vans. Uh, we have various spec trailers. And when I say various spec, you know, we don't really do much in like roll doors. Mostly the vans have swing doors, um, aluminum roof. Um, and uh, we do have some translucent roof trailers, which we really try to stay away from that. The majority of our fleet, as I stated earlier, are used trailers, average age, about 10 years old. Um, we have recently purchased a lot of sort of local cartage type trailers because again, now that we've pivoted and said that this is the direction that we want to go in, go in, you know, we're buying trailers that are, you know, 2003, 2004 model trailers for those, for those local Dre guys. Um, so, and we also have flatbeds and we had drop decks and we ended up selling off, uh, the few remaining drop decks that we had and then intermodal chassis. So those are really our three, uh, tiered products um you know with under the chassis uh line we have uh 40 foot gooseneck chassis standard we have uh, a 40 foot lightweight chassis that's been a very popular chassis here in especially in houston and we hope that it's going to be a very popular chassis in some of the other port cities and then now we've been working with fruhoff over the last uh, probably six months or so, and we've designed a an ultra lightweight chassis that's going to come in, uh, you know, around forty two to forty five hundred pounds, which is three thousand pounds less than a standard chassis, and uh, about fifteen hundred pounds less than a lightweight chassis. So, um, you know, so we've got those three types of of uh, of, of gooseneck type chassis, and we're going to be adding a few twenty foot chassis as well this year. So, you know, the fleet. The makeup of the fleet, dry vans, uh, flatbeds and, and intermodal chassis. We were really looking at one point to um, ramp up our flatbed fleet, especially being here in Houston, you know, with oil field and construction and everything else. And uh, when the oil patch sort of pulled back, we got a lot of flatbeds back. So we ended up selling off a lot of them. And so, you know, again, not trying to be everything to everyone. We just really sort of, you know, sat back and looked at who our customer base was at that time and who we really want 
the customer or what we want the customer base to look like over the next two to three years. And uh, those are going to be, you know, again, drive in um, customers and, and, and chassis customers. Yeah. So and then we've got containers. And again, that's that's totally saturated with this one customer. Um, so, um, yeah, so the containers as well. Um, and there's not going to be any real addition of, of, of containers unless it's with this one customer. Got it. So got it. What's the biggest challenge in the business right now? Um, I would still say that, and I, I would say still, because, you know, it's really been the, 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 the challenge for probably the last quarter, but it's really been, um, you know, the dynamics that's, that's, that's taking place, uh, in trucking, you know, they're still dealing with fuel issues, freight or, or freight rather hasn't been, you know, that great, uh, over the last quarter or so, but, um, you know, now that, that, that China has opened up, I think that's going to create some, um, some better opportunities for, you know, the industry, things are starting to open up a little bit. We're seeing that, you know, orders are starting to, you know, go on the uptick manufacturers are, um, you know, seeing, um, you know, steady sales of trucks and trailers. So, uh, but to answer that question, I, I still think that, that, you know, we are still going to have to deal with, um, you know, some of those issues that, that are, that are directly related to trucking before we can see our industry just really open mm. up. So for us, again, you know, the intermodal business, that's why we felt like that was a good, uh, segue to, to really get into, to, you know, sort of avert, um, you know, some of those challenges and not saying that they don't have their own issues on the, on the intermodal side. But, um, you know, I think that right now that's, that's sort of the biggest challenge for, for us. We, um, you know, we, we've, we've finally been able to, you know, we've gone debt free, um, since day one basically with with data management wow and we finally gotten to that point now where we just can't grow organically anymore so we've we've gone out and um we've managed to uh secure some substantial lines uh of credit and you know i think that's also going to help us you know when you talk about issues um you know it's going to help us to kind of overcome you know some of those production or supply as they've been relating to related to over the last couple of years supply chain issues um, by allowing us to you know have the capital in place to be able to purchase the equipment when it's readily available and right. uh, so you know that's been an issue uh, you know over the over the years but um, you know I, I think that now we can finally maybe not totally remove financing as an issue but um, you know it's 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 still there, but just not as, as prevalent. It's not at the top of the list anymore. Got it. Got it. 100% minority owned in the trailer leasing space. Do you know anybody else um, of your size? There's a company in Florida that um, we had a customer down there in Tampa that I was spending some time with a couple of years ago. And I never had a chance to meet the dealer, but they were selling trucks and trailers. Uh, down there. Um, and then we had an opportunity to meet um, the, I can't recall the name of the company out of Maryland. Corey uh, Neal? Yeah, Neal. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Great guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, and they, uh, I think from what he was telling me, they sell some trailers as well. But as far as a company that does trailer sales and leasing exclusively, I don't know of any. Yeah. What, what does that mean to you? It means a lot. I, I you know, and when I say a lot, 
it just and 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 it means so much only because this is 2023. How can that be? Talk about you know how it. can yeah. that be? Um, <clears throat> I just every time I think about that is just weird to me. But you know we are all we're a member of the National Trailer Dealer Association which is an organization for trailer dealers around the country. And the dealers, the organization is approaching a thousand members. And I don't know if we're the only minority uh, member, but we're definitely the only African-American member of this organization. And so there's still a lot of challenges. Um, you know, I, I, I sometimes I feel that I really want to take on a larger role in regards to bringing awareness to, you know, African-Americans in our space. But, you know, it's like in this organization, I ran for a board position and, uh, you know, didn't get the seat. Uh, there were a couple of them. And then the uh, leader of that organization, she's really pushed to, um, you know, have me run again. And, you know, I think about it and it's like, it's sort of like, the oil and gas industry in Houston. You know, there's a lot of minorities in oil and gas, but you're not going to see that many of them that's, you know, owning wells and, you know, really making oil and gas. Oil and gas, people in oil and gas make a lot of money. Right. But I'm saying like real money. Right, it's relative, right? Yeah. There's, there's and, uh, money and then there's money. And there's money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So, you know, transportation is kind of the same thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of minority owned trucking companies, which is great compared to where we were when I first started in this business. You know, a, a lot of guys owned a couple trucks, but, you know, now there's some African-Americans that's scaling in transportation. Yeah. Um, so that's very different. That 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 that. Uh, playing field is different but on the leasing side i don't know maybe you know this has been a very it's a very asset intensive business and it requires a lot of capital to really scale your business that's that shouldn't be a barrier anymore because there's a lot of african-american people with a lot of money that's right so that's right. um you know so again that makes it even more mind-boggling to me so I, I i i like the fact that you know we're able to create some change in companies, smaller companies where, you know, we can make a difference and we can provide them with the equipment that they need to grow their business. But, you know, I'm still in awe at the fact that, you know, it's 2023. And as far as I know, we're the only company of our kind that that, that exists. Yeah, so there's always a sense of pride when you see like an announcement. It's like the first black this, the first black that. But then you say, damn, we still doing first black? I know. <laughs> We still no. we're still doing first black exactly. in 2023. 2023. Like you see these announcements, oh, she's the first black member of this or the first yes. black person to buy this. We're still doing that in 2023. Right. Yes, it's crazy. It really you know? is. It so really it feels is. good, but then you yeah. think about it and you're like, man, right? And you know, and it, it's it's and I look at it too that you know, in, in in other industries, you can. It's just like a business. You know, if you're the person if you're a one-man show you don't really have anybody to you know bounce things off of you don't have anybody to you know compare experiences with um there's no sounding board 
Right. And in this industry, it's basically I have a lot of friends in this business that are great guys, but none of them have the same experiences that I do. Not even remotely close. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the guys with the successful dealerships, I am. I know that those guys work hard, man. They work real hard. But our experiences are totally different. I can't sit down with them at dinner and talk about my experience with them. Right. You know, they'll be like, okay, yeah, that's cool. You know, hey, or, you know, that's that's great that you, you know, have weathered those storms, but it's different. It's just different. Yeah. So I, I, I don't, I'm, I unfortunately just have not had an opportunity to really sit down with, you know, guys in my space or anyone else in my space that, you know, that could be a sounding board. Yeah. You work with family, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I noticed yeah, yeah. a lot of the emails. I see yeah. the last thing more so. <laughs> so how is it working with family in the business, man? Uh, it's, it's, it's rewarding and it's, um, challenging at the same time yeah um you know again my daughter she uh, owns the pr company she actually you know heads up our social media we signed on we onboarded with her uh mid last year i love she's that. done a phenomenal onboarded job with your us. daughter yeah doesn't so that feel board, good though it does it really like does I on, yeah. like it's not like i, I gave my daughter yeah nah, you right. onboarded with yeah, her you exactly. officially are you, she's a vendor right she's a vendor yes exactly <laughs> That's dope. i love yeah. that and she's made a uh, she's made a, a difference in this business um she her business is geared towards hospitality she understood the fact that we really, really needed a company like hers to help us in the transportation space. And she was what's real the name hesitant. of the company? Shout her uh, out. The Frankie Collective. The Frankie Collective. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Make sure y'all go. Make sure y'all check out the Frankie Collective. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. She's done a great job. She's she's got uh, you know a couple of James Beard Award nominees in her clientele. She's got some great people, man. And and uh, a lot of the folks we sort of we've known for years, but these these companies have really really excelled and they've done great. Yeah. And so she understood the fact that there wasn't really anyone that we could turn to in our space to you know help us out the way we needed to be helped out so she took a couple months she was pretty apprehensive uh, initially and she took a couple months to study the industry it just asked me to send her as much stuff as she could possibly uh, absorb and uh, and she came back and she said she said okay I'll do it and I don't think she did it because I was her father <laughs> you know and I'm sure that that probably held some weight right uh, but I think she just looked at it as hey this may be an opportunity for me to you know expand my business so I'm gonna go sure. for it and she made she did she's done a great job for us my nephew um he's his dante he's done a great great job as well um he has just really made a difference in the business and uh and he's been here for a couple of years he was here once before and his mindset just wasn't right <laughs> but yeah, sit him down for a little yeah, bit yeah exactly back sat down for a little bit yeah <laughs> kind of had to, he went and experienced a few other things yeah and when he came back man he was really 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 ready to go nice uh my son you know he's here as well and uh he's helped us out on the operation side of the business um you know he's kind of worked in every facet of the business so you know he's got some outside interest um you know at this point you know, not sure, you know, where that's going to end up. But, um, 
you know, we kind of, you know, I wouldn't say take it day by day, but, you know, we know that, uh, I guess we understand each other. Yeah. You know, if he wants to stay, he's got a, um, you know, a house to play in for a while. There you go. If he As doesn't, he should. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and if he doesn't, I wish him very well. And if he already knows that I'll support him any way I can in any other endeavor. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, that's very, it's been very, very rewarding, I say, too. You know, I've heard a lot of horror stories with family. Oh, yeah. And then we've been blessed, too, to just have, you know, exceptional people. Um, you know, Trish has been around. She was the first person um, that, at least as far as our team that we have now, and she's made, she, I mean, you know, she's a staple. Um, and then Joseph, who we just brought on as our operations manager, you know, he's really impacted the business. And, uh, and then we have a, a gentleman, Tony Jackson, who works with us as a consultant. He and I have been best friends for years. He okay. was a, uh, a vice president of of um, of uh, procurement for uh, one of the major oil and gas companies. And we traveled the world together. I served as like a transportation ambassador for him when he was with, um, you know, his, his other company. And uh, and then from there, he learned a lot about our business and he re retired early last year, I think it was. And and I asked him or we had a long conversation and, and uh, you know, came to the conclusion that, you know, we felt like he would benefit our business. And he's here probably 15, 20 hours a week. Mm. Um, and he helps us out with all of our special projects. So, um, you know, we've built a very a very solid team that I'm I'm very, very proud of. But the family dynamic. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting one. Now nah, I could imagine, man. I could definitely <laughs> imagine. All right, man. Well, I think um, I think we've covered it. I think we've covered a lot of uh, of 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 basis. I, I think we got the story. Um, have a very good understanding of of what you've built, and I think what's really important is that this did not happen overnight. Right. Like a lot right. of us want instant gratification. Yes. We want this, the entrepreneurship bug is out there. But if you want to build something worth having, it takes time. It does. You know, does. and you've obviously paid your dues to get where <laughs> you are at today, man. But congrats yeah. on all the success and everything that is to come. Because like you said, this is your year. Like this is the breakout yeah, this, next yeah. couple of years are going to be big, big for Darta. For sure, for sure. And, you know, we, we're, we're, we're actually, and we talked about it a little earlier, um, you know, we should be moving out of our facility and, you know, into a new facility that's going to, um, you know, help us to solidify our agreement with, with Fruhoff where we'll have a, uh, you know, full, we'll have full service capabilities. We'll be have a, you know, full parts capabilities in addition to, you know, trailer sales. Uh, we've re just reinvested a lot of money back into the business uh, before right now with the way our, our uh, yard is set up. We don't have the ability to have a full service shop. So what we've done is we've gone out to our vendors and we uh, have built a business plan around a service business. And uh, so we're actually going to get into the service business before we actually have the shop. So in by the first second quarter, I'm sorry, uh, we will be uh, open for business on our on our mobile service, uh, mobile ser mobile service side of the business. Nice. And, uh, you know, we've just invested a lot of money and time into the business. Um, you know, we've we're, we're actually looking to have a more data driven business this year. And, and, and in the future, we just actually just received uh, we're putting uh, tracking devices on all of our on all of our equipment to help, you know, capture more data to help us uh, to better manage our fleet. 
Joseph's starting to, you know, get all those um, installed now. So every trailer that we have will have GPS on them. Uh, every chassis, uh, every piece of equipment will have GPS services. And, uh, and we recently just signed a deal with a software company. Um, RMI is the name of the company. And we actually went full time into this um, in July, I think was our first full month uh, into this new operating system. So um, Tony's working on the deal. Um, you know, we've got meetings next week with the company. Uh, we're working on our more of our reporting and, and data capturing services through a program, uh, Power BI, I think is the name of that program. Then we're working with another company on our SEO to kind of help, you know, strengthen our online presence, our, our, our website to for that to work for us, you know, a lot better than it has in the past. So you know, earlier when I was saying that we sort of had a moment to kind of figure out, um, you know, what we want to do and and kind of, you know, retool and I say retool, but give us time to like put all these things in motion and to, um, you know, better correct our direction. Um, you know, we've really got a lot of stuff going on and, and uh, you know, the next few years is, is, is really going to be exciting, especially, you know, this year coming up. So, you know, we've, we're, we've started the capital raise, um, you know, again, we're able to get a couple of very good lines in place, um, you know, for financing. And, uh, you know, we've got uh, an app that we've been working on for the last three years. Actually, I guess it's two years. We're going into this year makes the third year, um, but the second full year that we've been working with the developer on consolidating our rental business, um, you know, in, in, an, in an app form for our customers. Wow. Um, so they'll be able to rent trailers remotely, rent trailers off of our yard. We'll be able to manage trailers for our customers that want to put their equipment into this portal. So um, we are in the emphasis, we're doing all the API work on that right now. So we should be rolling that out before the summer. Um, so just a lot of good things that, uh, um, you know, are in place right now to, you know, again, help grow the business and help us to be, uh, you know, more, a more value add play for our, our existing customers and future customers. For sure. How, how does someone connect with you to whether it's they want to purchase a trailer, they want to lease a trailer? How, what's the best way to do that? Best way to do that is to either contact, contact us via phone at uh, 713-672-0911 or you can go to our website uh, www.dartamanagement.com and uh, we actually have all of our inventory that's 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 on on uh, on the web, um, and then you can always stop by our location here at eight two five South Loop West Suite A one Houston Texas. So uh, those are the the best ways the to best contact ways, us. for yeah. sure for sure. And uh, and it, you know we have actually uh, there was a drop yard that we have over in Laredo Texas where all of the equipment crosses. And we store it there. So, you know, that's just another uh, option for us to or another yard, I guess, that we use to for, for you know, in South Texas, uh, where we have inventory stage. So all of our South Texas customers, they don't have to come up to Houston. They can just pick up trailers down in Laredo. So that's another uh, another option for customers. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. All right. So in true truck and hustle fashion, before we wrap, you have to give a final thought. The final thought is something spiritual, entrepreneurial, whatever you want to leave the audience with. 
And then um, we'll wrap up and get out of here, man. All right. Okay. So, so let's go with that final thought. All right. I'm listen, I'm ready. Let me take my notepad out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if it's going to be that profound, but, <laughs> you know, I just say that, you know, it's kind of the story that, that uh, you know, I tell my kids, are, and I say story, but it's more of a phrase that, um, you know, no one's going to want anything more for you than you want for yourself. And whenever, you know, the world realizes that you really want something and you're working hard to get it, that some way, somehow, something's going to lift you up to get there. But, you know, if you can't see it for yourself, no one's going to be able to see it for you and get you through that. So, um, you know, it's it's and, and, and the reason why that really came to mind, I was just reading some scripture this morning and, and, and thinking about a conversation that I just had with both my son and my daughter. Um, but that's true in life, in business, um, personal relationships. So, um, you know, if I'm going to leave anybody with anything, I think that's a small nugget, but to me, a very, a very powerful one. For sure. And your life is a true testament to that. That it has been. (laughs) (laughs) For sure, man. For sure. Listen, Hustle fam, this has been another amazing, amazing episode. I learned a lot. Um, It was great touring the facility. Thank you for the hospitality. And uh, you guys have to check out Darter Management. I don't want you leasing trailers or buying trailers from anywhere else. Fantastic. Come check these guys out, man. They're the real deal. Uh, And just an amazing story, man, that you guys can really resonate with, man. So um, you know what time it is, right? If you don't respect that, your whole perspective is whack. If you smell something burning, it's only your desire. Myself, Mitch Marcel from Darter Management, we are officially out. All right. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go.